Welcome to the official podcast of Harvest Bible Chapel Indy West. Our desire is to make authentic disciples of Christ who worship Him, walk with Him, and work for Him. You can find more information about Harvest by visiting our website at www.harvestindywest.org or by downloading our app from your app store. We pray today's podcast will encourage your pursuit of Jesus Christ. Well, last Sunday, we were in Isaiah 55, and you don't need to turn there. We're going to be turning to a whole bunch of passages, but let me just remind you, Isaiah 55, come everyone who thirsts, come. Come, buy, and eat. And then the text goes on, incline your ear and hear. And it talks about seek and call upon. Um, I was spending some more time with that passage actually personally this week and I come upon Revelation 22, the last chapter of the Bible, and get this, Revelation 22, 17 says this, the spirit and the bride say, come. Uh, And let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty, come. And let the one who desires take without price. Hey, what we were talking about last Sunday is not just an Old Testament thing, it's a throughout the Testament thing, and it's a today thing and into the future thing. And uh, you see this dude on the side, pictures here, and um, man, that boy is excited to eat. He uh, is leaning in, he can't wait to dig in, he is uh, uh, ready to eat, and in our context, that his soul may live out of Isaiah 55, Revelation 22. And by the way, I would just love to have dinner with this dude. I mean, he just looks like a cool guy. I just want to hang out with him and uh, hang with him. By the way, that kind of reminds me, I have no idea who sent this to me this week, and frankly, it's kind of fun that I don't know, but I get an Amazon Prime package, which, you know, kind of all of us do, and I get that, so not a surprise. But I open it up, and it's a book called Bearded Gospel Men. (laughs) Is that not cool? Uh, The reason, if you're new, the reason that's a big deal, you look on the web, I've never had a beard in my life, and so I'm kind of having fun with it, and apparently others are having fun with me with it. But I am telling you, there are men in here like ZZ Top kind of looking beard stuff. Maybe that's outdated. Uh, Anyway, things going. Well, today uh, is the first of three Sundays that we're going to be taking here, and we're calling this kind of three practices of leaning in people. Three practices of leaning in people. And with that, kind of uh, three things about these three Sundays, about the three practices. Uh, Three things. One, yes, uh, these are the focuses that are coming out of uh, my sabbatical, Karen and my sabbatical, over the prior three months. Karen and I spent literally a month focusing on each one of these that we're going to be talking about this week. So a lot of this is coming out of where we've been, and my intent is actually to bring you with us and where we're at, because the Lord's at work in some things, and I'm so excited about the future and what's going to be going on, and I want for you to join in with us. So yes, these are coming out of our our sabbatical, and I want you to participate with me. Secondly, uh, they are intended to be very practical, and I mean that practical in, we want God's word to be practical, but especially these. These are just not about knowing these things. I want to have these become doing things that we do. I'm working right now and trying to integrate these in a more practical, specific, dedicated kind of a way. And I want to implore that upon you. And, 
and, and kind of with number three item, they flow into each other. Uh, resting people next Sunday are reflecting people. This Sunday is important for next Sunday. And, and, and uh, refueled in the Lord people in three, two Sundays from now come out of people that rest in the Lord and reflect in the Lord. All these build into each other, so I'll even say the practicality of it is going to build as we move along. So we don't want to just be hearers only, we want to be doers as well, correct? We want to be doers as well, so I'm pressing into that. So here we go, let's kind of get started. Practice number one. Uh, leaning in people are reflecting in the Lord people. Leaning in people are reflecting in the Lord people. We're going to work this out here today. Now, this word reflecting, I just want to begin by mentioning that I'm not talking about some lightweight, some kind of touchy-feely, fluffy bunny, reminiscing moments reflecting. I'm not talking about reflecting like around the Thanksgiving table, which is fine, but I hope out of this that becomes a different moment as a result of today. But I'm not talking about the kind of thing, what are you thankful for? And you're like, oh man, I haven't given much thought about that. We're not talking about that. We're talking about the reflecting out of Scripture that is real life, deep thought, Scripture-saturated pondering of life and the Lord. That's what we're talking about. Not lightweight stuff, deep down in, digging deeper into the Lord kind of stuff. In fact, Scripture uses various terms for what I'm using here as reflecting. Some of those terms we're going to see today is remember, it's consider, consider. That doesn't mean just pass by it, it means sit on it consider it. Take to heart. Another word is ponder. I personally love that word. I just want to ponder. I want to be a better ponderer. And uh, that's what we're talking about here. It's also think, and it's meditate is another word. We're going to see many of these words in some scripture passages we're going to be going, but I want to kind of put this table, this statement on the table. The Christian life is a thinking people's life. The Christian life is a thinking people's life because the Christian life is a thinking driven life. The Christian life is a thinking driven life. And that's an interesting comment, I think, in light of our culture. Uh, I think, we think, that we think a lot. But I'm actually gonna press into that and kinda go, I actually don't think that we are very good thinkers as a culture. We live in a feeling culture, not so much a thinking culture, and I think I can prove that. When you see an interviewer or when you ask someone about what's, what they think, more often than not, nowadays, even in interviews on the TV, the question that is asked is, how do you feel about that? Listen, I want for you to understand, and you know, if you've been around, you know me, I, I'm, I'm a pretty emotional guy, I'm a passionate guy with all of that. Listen, I am all, uh, I am all for emotion, and we see emotion from our God, so I'm not anti-emotion at all. I'm also not put the emotion away in the closet for a while, and let's think. The two go together, the two fit together, but we need to understand that thinking and feeling have unique dynamics to themselves, even though they interact with each other. Thinking and feeling, if you were to ask the question, how do you feel about that, and the question, how do you think about that, there's aspects of the answers of those that are both similar, but also very different. 
I don't think we're a very good thinking culture. And so because of that, I'm beginning this way by saying, I would really appreciate if we appreciated the, if we approach this subject today as learners together. If we could just kind of have the mindset that all of us in this room, we're better at being busy and active and going and feeling and not necessarily so great at thinking and reflecting. And so we have some things to learn today. Let's kind of be in that place. So Lord, I ask you would help us to be in that place and grow in being a people who reflect and rest and refuel better than we do now. In your name we pray, amen. So two questions, as you can see kind of on your sermon notes that I'm building off of. The first question is why? Why be a reflecting in the Lord person? Why be a reflecting in the Lord people? Three reasons. How many? Three reasons. Reason number one is because we are called to. Because we are called to be that. Uh, If you would, open your Bibles to Exodus chapter 13. If you're new to the Bible, uh, it's towards the beginning of your Bible. We're at page 55 if you're using one of the the Bibles behind the seats there. Uh, I am just going to tell you, normally, I think you know, those who are around here, you know we we usually camp in a text, but this is kind of one of those series where we're going to be all over the place, and particularly today, because I want for you to see it, not just in one spot, but see it, that this is a theme and a thread of Scripture, this reflecting idea, because we are called to. Exodus 13, God's people are on their way out of Egypt. They have not yet crossed uh, uh, the Red Sea, that's in chapter 14. Exodus 13, 3 is a command that's leading into the crossing of the Red Sea. I think we would all agree that the crossing of the Red Sea, the miraculous, uh, crazy, God-glorifying event of all of that was a big event in all of Scripture and in all of time. I think we would agree on that. And this is like the day before, the time right before it. Look what Moses says, verse 3. Then Moses said to the people, remember this day. He's making reference to what's coming up. Remember this day in which you came out of Egypt, you came out, out of the house of slavery, for by a strong hand the Lord brought you out of this place. I'm sorry, clarify that. God is saying we brought you out, remember this day. Next chapter is is then the, the Red Sea crossing in this. And we see Moses here before everything and while everything is happening, Moses says, remember this day. You would think that we would all remember that day if we were there. But isn't it interesting here that it's stated a directive in the Hebrew, a command, an imperative sense to it. It has this idea, remember what just happened. Because we have a way of moving on in life. And the next one will come. Deuteronomy 5, turn there, a little bit to the right. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, we're gonna be in Deuteronomy a few times. Exodus chapter five, verse 15. Moses has summoned all Israel. He's giving them God's directives for doing life with the Lord. Deuteronomy 5, verse 15. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Wouldn't that be the kind of thing you'd want to forget that? But he's actually telling him, no, remember that. Remember 
that you were a slave in the land of Egypt and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched, outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Listen, he's asking them to remember. He is tying remembering to their doing. Look at Deuteronomy 6. Verse 4, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord God is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might. You've probably heard that statement before. Verse 6, and these words that I command to you today shall be on your heart. And shall, you shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit at home, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Again, an imperative move here. Uh, Moses is helping God's people to understand that God's word and God's work is to be something that is right there all the time in our thinking, in our talking, in our movement, in our actions, tatted on you, posted on the wall, the whole kind of an idea of it. We're called to be reflective people. Uh, look at Deuteronomy 32. Deuteronomy 32. Verse 7, Joshua is about to succeed Moses and carry things on, and this is, uh, in this chapter, Moses' song, and just one verse out of that song, the same idea, this idea that uh, we are to reflect and remember because God has called us to be that. Verse 7, remember the days of old, consider the years of many generations. By the way, not just your own life, not just my own life, not just the present, and by the way, not even just my or your past, but even the generations of other people that have gone and walked with the Lord. Is not he your father, I'm sorry, ask your father and he will show you, your elders and they will tell you. We are to be a people that is always talking about what God has done in our lives, in other lives, and in lives in the past. Uh, turn a little bit further, Joshua 1.8, just a few pages to the right. Joshua is getting ready to uh, enter into the promised land. And this is a very familiar verse, Joshua 1, verse 8. It says, this book of the law, let, let's kind of make that New Testament present day, God's word shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it. The word meditate, this is what I'm talking about. I don't think we understand what that is. We're not talking about how some kind of you know, folded legs up that I can't do anymore at this age. We're not talking about that. We're talking about a pondering, a depth, a considering, a working, a considering from angles and how it, and what does it matter and what are the results of all of that. We're to consider, we are to meditate on it how often? Day and night. So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written it, for then your way will be prosperous. Listen, reflecting people are doing for the Lord people. 
They're connected together. And part of the reason I am convinced in my own life and all of our lives that we look and we go, I lack in obedience to the Lord, in great part it's because we are not sitting in remembering the Lord. We're just going, 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 going people. And the Lord has confronted that with me during my sabbatical. Let's just listen to a few other verses. Psalm 107, verse 43. Whoever is wise, let him, let her attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. That means just sitting and pondering and thinking and rethinking and re-rethinking and re-re-rethinking on the steadfast love of the Lord in your life, in others' life, in God's word and his work in people's lives. Here's another one out of Psalm 119, verse 15. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. Verse 23, your servant will meditate on your statutes. Verse 27, I will meditate on your wondrous works. Not only are we to be meditating in God's word and pondering it and working it and thinking it and getting to know it and reflecting in it, but we are to be remembering not only in God's word what he has done here, but what he has done in our lives, what he has done in other lives. And the wondrous works of the Lord, Psalm 145, verse 5, on the glorious splendor of your majesty, on your wondrous works, I will meditate. I want to thank you for the opportunity that we had to be able to be in some amazing places in, on this globe and to see the wondrous majesty and glory of God. I'm not a desert dude. I mean, you just go there and there's death everywhere. But I gotta tell you, after being there for a little while, I still wouldn't wanna live there. But I'm telling you, friends, God is amazing. Why didn't God just make the whole planet all the same thing everywhere? Because, well, you think about it. It reflects who God is. You can consider Luke 12, verses 22 to 31. You don't have to go there, but consider them. Write it down. Jesus is talking to you and says, consider the ravens, consider the lilies. Why? Because it's in considering them and pondering them that we get insight into who God is, what God has done, and what God is going to do. I'm stunned that God just did not create all one plant but even flowers, there are myriads of kinds of flowers. It is a reflection of who God is. By the way, do you realize that when we were in one place and, uh, and we were just seeing the, the diversity of, of, of nature right in front of us, the heights, the colors, the looks, the whole of it all, and God has created all of us uniquely, and God loves unique things because God is not the same in, in just everything has to be produced out as a widget, and that means you. You are not the same as the person next to you. Do you know that, by the way? And the person next to you is not the same as you, even though we want everyone to be just like us. We say we don't, but we do. 
We want them to think like us, want like us, act like us, do like us, but people don't. Even as leadership, oftentimes we structure things thinking that people go through a same process to get to a same result, and yet I'm telling you, people are different. Growing faster in different means and different times and different things going on. And even in ministry, we can become production people. But God is doing a work through people and through nature and through creation that is an amazing, unique thing. And last, I'll just leave you with Philippians 4, 8 through 9. Whatever is right, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is good, think on these things. Why be a reflecting in the Lord person? Because we've been called to. Secondly, because we tend to forget. Have you ever noticed that, or did you forget? Because we tend to forget. Let me just take you to three uh, sections of Scripture, back to Deuteronomy. Let's go back to Deuteronomy 4. Deuteronomy 4. I just want you to see these in Scripture. Verse uh, 9, Deuteronomy 4, 9. Moses is saying, only take care, keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Look at verse 23 in chapter 4. Take care lest you forget the covenant of the Lord your God which he made with you and then you make carved images the form of anything that the Lord your God has forbidden you. Take care lest you forget. Then look at chapter six, verse 12. Then take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And then another page over to Deuteronomy chapter eight. It was really fun yesterday as pastors and elders. We just had a morning together and we read the whole chapter. Let me read you just a little bit of it. Uh, Verse 11, Deuteronomy eight. Take care lest you forget the Lord your God by not keeping his commandments and his rules and his statutes, which I command you today. Lest when you have eaten and are full and have built good houses, listen Americans to this. When you have eaten and are full and have built good houses and live in them, and when your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart will be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery uh, serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness. By the way, do you understand what's happening here? He's reflecting on what God has done. Who fed you in the wilderness with a manna that your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and test you to do good in the end. Beware lest you say in your heart, my power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. That he may confirm his covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is to this day. And if you forget the Lord your God and go after other gods and serve them and worship them, I solemnly warn you today that you shall surely perish. Loved ones, we tend to forget what God has done. Turn to Psalm 119. It's right smack dab about in the middle of your Bible. Psalm 
Psalm 119. A few verses. Psalm 119, verse 61. Though the cords of the wicked ensnare me, here we got the positive side of it, I do not forget your law. What does that imply? That implies that the psalmist is saying, I can forget. But I do not. Verse 109. It says, I hold my life in your hand continually, but I do not forget your law. Verse 141. I am small and despised, yet I do not forget your precepts. Look at verse 153. Look at my affliction and deliver me, for I do not forget your law. Verse 176, I have gone astray like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commandments. And then let me just read a passage from Proverbs, Proverbs 4. Here Solomon is talking to his son, and he's imploring wisdom, God's wisdom to his son, and he says this, Proverbs 4, verses 1. Hear, O sons, of father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. Verse 2, for I give you good precepts. Do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words. Keep my commands and live. Get wisdom, get insight. Do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her. Do not forsake wisdom and she will keep you. Love her and she will guide you. Why should we be purposed reflecting people? One, because God has called us to And two, because we tend to forget. We lose the macro of who God is and what God has done in the micro of our days. We lose sight of the macro in all of the micros. And third, I've just stated it, because we need to remember, because we need to reflect. You know, it's one thing that God can say, you are to be a remembering, reflecting, pondering, meditating, considering people. And it's another thing for you and I to go, you know what, I agree, I need to do that. And so I wanna put this in here and I want to bring this to some, some show us some of this happening. Listen, it is imperative, we need to be this. Let me take us to four events here, four events. Event number one, Genesis 50, if you want to turn there. Genesis 50. Joseph. Joseph had a hard life, man. Talking about family dysfunction. Hello. He experiences these unimaginable trials. He's sold into slavery by his brothers. Yeah, feeling the love there. He's then lied about by Potiphar's wife. He's then forgotten by some of his other jailmates later on. It's like the dude loses and loses and loses and loses and loses. Ever felt that way? Like just when things seem to be like getting okay, it just hammers me back down. And I just feel like a pounded on beaten nail. Welcome to Joseph's life. Some things happen, God does some amazing things in it. The point of the story is not hang in there and you will get your dreams, that's not the point. The point of the story is in chapter 50. Look at verse 18, 
At this point in time, crazy as it is, Joseph is now essentially the prime minister of Egypt, the vice president of Egypt. Verse 18, chapter 50, his brothers come. What would you be thinking if your brothers come to you? I'm not going to answer that <laughs> in his situation. But get a load of this. His brothers came and they fell down before him and said, Behold, we are your servants. Because Joseph has revealed who he is. Verse 19. But Joseph said to them, Do not fear, for am I in the place of God? I will gladly crush you, take you outside, smush you as much as I possibly can, devastate you, and pants you in front of all of the world. Normal heart reaction? Know this. They wanted him dead. But they were too chicken to actually kill him. So they sold him into slavery. I got to tell you, after years and years and years sitting on a hard time and a hard life, maybe this is you. How are you going to respond? Listen to what Joseph actually says. As for you, you meant evil against me. That's a truth statement right there, by the way. Joseph is not just going over and going, you know what? It was all good. He's not doing that. In fact, he's stating the truth of it. What you guys intended to do to me, that was straight up, flat out, as I've pondered it over the years, it was evil. And it was. But God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. So do not fear, I will provide for you. Thus he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. Some of you in this room need to spend time with Joseph. And the question is, is how did Joseph get there? And the answer to that clearly is that Joseph, in the whole of it, by God's grace, pondered and considered who God is and what God is doing. You never see anywhere where Joseph goes, you know what, I look back at those moments, and I actually, I loved them. Never. He never forgot them, but he saw them in the whole of who God is. And a sovereign God, even in the work of life, was doing something good for his glory. Friends, I hate to say this, but life is not about your happiness. Life is about the glory of God. And Joseph came to see that and was clearly out of years of reflecting on that. You can turn to Job if you want. Middle of the Bible, just past Psalms, or I'm sorry, just prior to Psalms. Job 38, Job's whole life just gets destroyed. He was a godly man, stated in chapter one. And God allows Satan to have at him. Literally, God, without Job knowing any of this, God literally allows hell to be unleashed on Job. Job is an amazing guy, and as you go through, you can read through, I I love the book of Job, and then you come to this chapter. Job's pretty much now to a point to where it gives me hope because I'm like, Job, a long time ago, I would have kind of been probably in this place of, I just want to curse God and die. 
Job is kind of there now at this point. And so what does a loving God do? A loving God comes along and helps Joseph think. What's happening here is God is stepping into Job when Job's about off the cliff. And God is reminding Job to reflect on who he is. Chapter 38, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this that darkens counsel uh, by words without knowledge? Dress for action like a man, I will question you and you will make it known. I gotta tell you, there's a part of this where you sit back and you go, whoa God, you are coming after this guy and you allowed hell to be unleashed on this man and now you're coming after him and then look, what does God do? God just goes, Two chapters. Hey, Job, where were you when I laid the foundation of the gerb, of the, of the earth? Hey, Job, have you commanded the morning? Hey, Job, have you comprehended the expanse of the earth? Hey, Job, who, 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 and how, and Job, it's question after question after question. What are the questions oriented to? The questions are oriented to, Job, you forgot to remember who I am. And I'm like, I get why he would have. But friends, a loving God has come in and helped Job in his pain to remember that he needs to be someone who reflects on who God is. I would think after God does all this, Job would go, come on, God, give me a break somewhere, would you? But look at chapter 40. And the Lord said to Job, shall a fault finder contend with the Almighty? He who argues with God, let him answer it. God just says, okay, Job, now your time, speak. Then Job answered the Lord and said, behold, I am on small account What shall I answer you? I lay my hand on my mouth. I've spoken once, and I will not answer twice, but I proceed no further. And the Lord says, Job, I'm actually not quite done yet. In one of the versions, I love this, it says, gird your loins up like a man and sit down. Two more chapters. Hey, Job, have you beheld the behemoth? Have you, have you, have you, have you? And then you get to chapter four, and then Job answered the Lord. I've known that you can do all things, and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Job could have taught the class on that. But then in verse five, he said, I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. Therefore, I despise myself and I repent in dust and ashes. What happened to Job? God came alongside him and lovingly helped him remember. What does that tell you and I? We need to be people who are remembering who is the Lord. And friend, right now, if you are sitting in life and you kind of in your soul have your fists duked up and you've been taking it out and talking it out with God like he's a loser, like he's forgot about you, like he's not who he is, like he's only bad, he's no good, you need to spend some time reading through that. And I've been there. And we need to remember who the Lord is and what the Lord has done. 
Quickly, I'm just going to make mention. Daniel chapter 3, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, you probably know the stories. These are three young men, who, young men who are taken from their families. They're captives of war. They're stolen as slaves. They're put in a predicament where they're to fall down and worship Nebuchadnezzar's created giganto image. And in it, they don't. Nebuchadnezzar says, do or you will die. Let me just read you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this manner. What a bunch of studs. They go on to say, if this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Friends, someone who says that has to have thought that through. Oh, by the way, but that statement is not the end of their statement. God does save them, but their statement includes the most profound statement. But if not, that statement right there tells you that, listen, God is not here to do my every whim and wish. God is doing things the way God does things, and sometimes I don't fully understand them, and sometimes he may save from the fiery furnace, and sometimes he may allow martyrdom. And God is good in it all, and they have that in their head. Listen, if God allow me to be a slave and to be bird, to God be the glory. And if God save me from it, to God be the glory. But they have been three young men, let me call them three millennial men who know God and are applying that. And then I'll just mention a final event. Philippians chapter three, favorite chapter of mine, the Apostle Paul, he's telling about his story. And what's he doing? He's reflecting on who he was. He says in chapter three, I was, I was, I was. I was the best of the best of the best of the best. And he's not bragging, he's telling the truth. But then he goes on to say, but whatever I was, It wasn't worth it. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship. Sharing in his suffering. I want to know Christ. He was a murderer. He was a dictator headed towards that in his life. And then he even says, forgetting the past and pressing on to the future. Friends, that takes time and understanding who God is, what God has done, and camping yourself in that reality. Why be a reflecting in the Lord people? Because we've been called to, because we tend to forget, and because we need to. And lastly, I just kind of want to leave you with three practical hows. I could just say go do it, but I'm not so sure that would be fully helpful. So let me give you a couple things here. And we're going to build on these in the coming two weeks. Reflecting in the Lord people, reflect in the Lord personally. Personally. Particularly here, I'm talking about periods of dedicated personal time away from the noises to reflect. We are a noisy culture. 
the TV's on, the radio's on, the iPad's on, the YouTube's running. The kids are screaming. Life is screaming. And I understand it's hard to get to a quiet place. But I've recently come to learn you got to stop. And my life has not been a good example of that over the last years. But it's going to change. And I have a thousand people now holding me accountable after today. I want to implore for you, even if it's for 15 minutes, to get away. Sorry. Ooh, that squeaked. But this chair has meant a lot to me over the last months. This chair has been my reflecting place. And it folds up and it was in our camper. And I'm much more comfortable with silence than I was a few months ago. I would encourage you to bring God's word to a chair like this. To consider doing some writing. I'm not a big writer, but I did more than I've ever done. I would encourage you to consider maybe getting some books. These are some that I've read over a time. Eric Metaxas, Seven Men. Wow, there's some cool guys in there. Another book called Twelve Faithful Men. I read about St. Augustine. Some say St. Augustine. Depends where you are in the world. Read about Luther. Dude had some issues. But the dude also was used greatly by the Lord. My wife, smarter than me. Look at that thing. Bonhoeffer. Metaxas is one of the seven has Bonhoeffer in here. I was in that book. Twelve Extraordinary Women, ladies. I'm not a reader. But I've been learning to become one.
Friends, we don't quiet up enough. Personally. Reflect in the Lord. Second, reflect in the Lord habitually. There are purpose times. And then there's all the time. Reflecting in the Lord with what's going on right now in your life, with what's happening, with what's going right now in the conversation, right now in the moment. Where is God? Who is God? What would God want me to do right now? There's a habitual reality to reflecting in who the Lord is. And third, you tell me, what's the third one? Is it up on the screen? Put it up on the screen. What's the third one? I don't like tearing up, and I knew I would today because of what this has done for me. Straight up, it's embarrassing to me, and real men don't. Yeah, tough on that. But there's something about corporately hearing other people and what the Lord's been doing in their life. By the way, these baptisms, by the way, I'm so glad we did not get a brand new baptismal tank. That's from our theater days. Horse Troffet. Awesome. And here in those two young men, what God is doing with their lives. How cool. Small groups, are you talking about what God is doing? Not as an answer to a question, but as a reality to what God is doing and sharing your life. We've talked about even as stuff we want to get better at being able to communicate what God is doing. Lining up some God at work videos. We're going to build off of this next Sunday, and I realize many of you might not be able to be here resting in the Lord. I would really encourage you, if you're not here next Sunday, might you listen to it online, because I am not a good resting person. And yet the Lord has been doing a work on me. So I want to do a work on you. Reflecting people are resting in the Lord people. If you are not a reflecting in the Lord person, you will not be a resting in the Lord person. So maybe this Thanksgiving, rather than the momentary reply to what are you thankful for around the Thanksgiving table if you happen to do that rather than a um, hmm, haven't thought about that recently. This would be a great week to put in serious consideration. Maybe it's not even in your own life. Maybe it's just an attribute and character of who God is. If you know Christ as your Savior, Have you pondered all that has taken place and is redeeming of your life? Dive into the Psalms. Dive into the Gospels. 
Lord, thank you. Thank you for who you are, for what you've done, for what you are doing. Thank you for what you have said. Thank you for the lives of other people and the work that you've done. We acknowledge you, we see you, we behold you. Yet it is so easy for us to forget. We forget in the moment, we forget in the big. And so this is actually something that we have to practice and something that we have to do. Father, I would just ask even this week that this would be something that somehow maybe it's spouses helping spouses with the kids so that one can get away. Maybe it's friends helping friends so that they can have time alone. Maybe it's talking together at Starbucks over a coffee on what God has been doing. Maybe it's just interacting and asking the questions and, 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 and meditating on some of these texts. And just taking you in, holding on to you. Sitting with you. And sometimes just not even talking. But just beholding. The birds. Plants. The trees the cornfields. You. Maybe it's reflecting upon what God has done over the years of your life. as a child, as a teen, as a 20s. Oh God, what you have done in my life. Oh God, what you have done in the work of the people in this room in their lives. And the work that you are doing. God, I pray for the ones right now that are in the heat of life who are in a Job place who just kind of want to curl up and just die. Oh God, would you encourage them and would they draw near to you? Would they ponder you and consider you and behold you? 